Good morning, and welcome to another day's edition of Transformation Radio. May this edition of Transformation Radio bless your morning. Before I bring my need, I will bring my heart. Before I lift my cares, I will lift my arms. I want to know you, I want to find you in every season, in every moment. Before I bring my need, I will bring my heart. And Smith, I'm phasing up to phase two. I just wanted to give a shout out to my brother Dan down at the farm. Uh, just keep digging in, doing what you're doing, brother, and I'll see you in a couple weeks. I love you. And now, as we turn our attention to the reading of the New Testament for today, 
It will come from the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 1 through 16. Why did Paul say, imitate me? I mean, Paul wasn't being arrogant. He didn't think of himself as sinless. At this time, however, the Corinthian believers did not know much about the life and ministry of Christ. Paul could not tell them to imitate Jesus because the Gospels had not yet been written. So they didn't know what Jesus was like. The best way to point these new Christians to Christ was to point them to a Christian whom they trusted. Paul had been in Corinth almost two years, and he built a relationship of trust with many of these new believers. We'll read on here, and when we get into this section following that... And during part of our reading today here in 1 Corinthians, we'll focus on proper attitudes and conduct in worship, not on the marriage relationship or on the role of women in the church. Now, while Paul's specific instructions may be cultural, uh, you know, women covering their heads and worship, things like that, the principles behind them are timeless. Respect for spouse, reverence and appropriateness in worship, and focus of all of life on God. If you're doing something that might easily offend members and divide the church, then change your ways to promote church unity. Paul told the women who were not wearing head coverings to wear them, not because it was a scriptural command, but because it kept the congregation from dividing over a petty issue that served only to take people's minds off Christ. And today we're going to read about some of the more controversial things we find in Scripture, Concerning marriage and other relationships, the phrase, the head of every man is Christ, could mean that, number one, because Christ was present at creation, he is the creator of every man. Or, number two, Christ is every believer's source of life in the new creation. The phrase, the head of woman is man, does not indicate the man's control or supremacy, but rather his being her source. Because man was created first, the woman derives her existence from man, as man does from Christ and Christ from God. Evidently, Paul was correcting some excesses in worship in which uh, the emancipated Corinthian women were engaging. The phrase, the head of Christ is God, does not mean that Christ was inferior to God in any way. Paul was referring to the incarnation of Christ. Through Christ coming to earth, believers receive forgiveness and are united with God and with one another. From this theological base, then, Paul began to address the issue of head coverings. God created lines of authority in order for His created world to function smoothly. Although there must be lines of authority even in marriage, there should not be lines of superiority. God created men and women with unique and complementary characteristics. One sex is not better than the other. We must not let the issue of authority and submission become a wedge to destroy oneness in marriage. Instead, We should use our unique gifts to strengthen our marriages and to glorify God. And with that, let's begin our reading today, here in the New Testament. August 17th, the New Testament, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 1 through 16. And you Corinthians should imitate me, Paul, just as I imitate Christ. I am so glad that you always keep me in your thoughts, and that you are following the teachings I passed on to you. But there is one thing I want you to know. The head of every man is Christ, the head of woman is man, and the head of Christ is God. A man dishonors his head if he covers his head while praying or prophesying. 
but a woman dishonors her head if she prays or prophesies without a covering on her head, for this is the same as shaving her head. Yes, if she refuses to wear a head covering, she should cut off all her hair. But since it is shameful for a woman to have her hair cut or her head shaved, she should wear a covering. A man should not wear anything on his head when worshiping, for man is made in God's image and reflects God's glory, and woman reflects man's glory. For the first man didn't come from woman, but the first woman came from man. And man was not made for woman, but woman was made for man. For this reason, and because the angels are watching, a woman should wear a covering on her head to show she is under authority. But among the Lord's people, women are not independent of men, and men are not independent of women. For although the first woman came from man, every other man was born from a woman, and everything comes from God. Judge for yourselves. Is it right for a woman to pray to God in public without covering her head? Isn't it obvious that it's disgraceful for a man to have long hair? And isn't long hair a woman's pride and joy? For it has been given to her as a covering. But if anyone wants to argue about this, I simply say that we have no other custom than this, and neither do God's other churches. Coming up next is 10,000 Reasons by Matt Renman. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, oh my soul, worship His holy name, sing like never before, oh my soul, I worship Your Holy 
turn to Psalms. Our reading today in the book of Psalms will be from Psalm 35, verses 1 through 16. This is one of the cursing Psalms that call upon God to deal with enemies. These Psalms sound extremely harsh, but we got to remember the following. Number one, David could not understand why he was forced to flee from men who were unjustly seeking to kill him. He was God's anointed king over a nation called to annihilate the evil people of the land. Number two, David's call for justice was sincere. It was not a cover for his own personal vengeance. He truly wanted God's perfect ideal for his nation. Number three, David did not say that he would take revenge, but he gave the matter to God. These are merely his suggestions. Pretty strong, but suggestions nonetheless. Number four, these psalms use hyperbole or overstatement. They were meant to motivate others to take a strong stand against sin and evil. 
Cruelty may be far removed from some people's experience, but it's a daily reality to others. God promises to help the persecuted and to bring judgment on unrepentant sinners. When we pray for justice to be done, we are praying as David did. When Christ returns, the wicked will be punished. David was sad, we'll see as we read here, he was sad when his prayers seemed unanswered. When our deliverance is delayed, we may assume that God hasn't answered our prayers. God hears every prayer, but He answers according to His wisdom. Don't let the absence of an immediate answer cause you to doubt or resent God. Instead, let it be an occasion to deepen your faith. Psalm 35, verses 1 through 16, a Psalm of David. O Lord, oppose those who oppose me. Fight those who fight against me. Put on your armor and take up your shield. Prepare for battle and come to my aid. Lift up your spear and javelin against those who pursue me. Let me hear you say, I will give you victory. Bring shame and disgrace on those trying to kill me. Turn them back and humiliate those who want to harm me. Blow them away like chaff in the wind, a wind sent by the angel of the Lord. Make their path dark and slippery with the angel of the Lord pursuing them. I did them no wrong, but they laid a trap for me. I did them no wrong, but they dug a pit to catch me. So let sudden ruin come upon them. Let them be caught in the trap they set for me. Let them be destroyed in the pit they dug for me. Then I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be glad because He rescues me. With every bone in my body, I will praise Him. Lord, who can compare with you? Who else rescues the helpless from the strong? Who else protects the helpless and poor from those who rob them? Malicious witnesses testify against me. They accuse me of crimes I know nothing about. They repay me evil for good. I am sick with despair. Yet when they were ill, I grieved for them. I denied myself by fasting for them, but my prayers returned unanswered. I was sad, as though they were my friends or family, as if I were grieving for my own mother. But they are glad now that I am in trouble. They gleefully joined together against me. I am attacked by people I don't even know. They slander me constantly. They mock me and call me names. They snarl at me. Proverbs chapter 21, verses 17 and 18. Those who love pleasure become poor. Those who love wine and luxury will never be rich. The wicked are punished in place of the godly, and traitors in place of the honest.
Gracious Heavenly Father, I just thank you for the day that you've given us today, Father. Father, I thank you for the life that you give us, just keeping us alive another day, Father. I just thank you for the fellowship of the friends and family that we have. And I just thank you for laying your life down on Calvary for us, Father. Just making that sacrifice for us, just letting us have that grace that we are forgiven for our sins, Father. Father, I just ask for blessings today just to help people get safely to and from work. And I just ask that you give us an opportunity to spread the gospel with somebody else today, Father. Father, I love you. 
and I praise and worship you with everything. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And that concludes our day's edition of Transformation Radio. I hope you all have a blessed day.